Welcome to the Gas Street Podcast. Our vision as a church is to be light for the city. We really hope you enjoy this message. Hey, it is so good to be with everyone on site, online. Amazing to see you all. And what an amazing word, so encouraging to hear about uh, someone's faith coming alive. And that's what I believe God is doing amongst us more and more. We're going to see people come alive in their faith. Now, two of my great heroes are my mum and my dad. They've taught me so much about what it means to follow Jesus. They've taught me so much about how to live well, love well. And a couple of years ago, it was their Ruby wedding anniversary. That's 40 years And we threw a big party to celebrate them. And as part of that, there are a few speeches. And one of the people who gave a speech was a guy called Pete, who had become like an adopted son to my mum and dad. And the story uh, for Pete was that when he was 19 years old, he became a Christian, had a radical conversion. But he had no relationship with his dad, no connection. And his mother was a drug addict. She was homeless. And one night, Pete found himself with nowhere to stay. And in a kind of desperate state, turned up at my parents' front door. My parents were leading a church that he'd become a Christian in. And he was basically, help, I don't know what to do. I've got nowhere to stay. And so they kind of said, look, well, come and stay with us tonight. And they were going to make a plan for what they could do to help him. And my parents both woke up in the morning and they felt God say, you need to invite him to come and live with you. Treat him as a son, draw him in. And so they said, Pete, look, you're welcome to stay with us. We'd love you to be part of this family. And he moved in for three years. He lived with us. He became like an older brother to all of us. I've got two younger brothers. And he just became part of the family. And at my parents' Ruby anniversary, he said this in his speech. When I arrived at your doorstep, it wasn't like meeting strangers. It was like I was a returning son. The problem was, I didn't know how to be a son My dad died when I was very young. My mum lived on the streets. I didn't know how to live in family, but you taught me how to be a son and you taught me how to love and be loved. That right there is what church should be. God's vision for the church is a place where strangers become family, where those on the outside are welcomed in and find home. It's a place where people learn to love and be loved. It's a place where people are freed and healed and restored and equipped to fulfill their God-given purposes here on earth. And so over the next few weeks, we're going to look at a series on the church. What is God's vision for the church? What is the church that He sees? And we're going to look at themes of, it's a place of belonging. It's a place where we pioneer. It's a place where broken people mend. It's a supernatural community that ushers in the kingdom of God. And we've lived through an extraordinary year for the life of any church around the globe where for much of it, we've been unable to meet in purpose, in, in person. But amazingly, uh, we've been able to connect online. But actually, it feels like a really timely and important moment to look. What does God say the church is? What do we want to be a part of in the years to come? And so we've called this series, Here For It. Here for it. Now, there's a phrase which perhaps more young people are using at the moment called, I'm here for it. Does anyone know what that means? If you say, Taku, quickly come on up. Quick, quickly come on up, my friend. Take, you can take your, I'll keep your mask on actually, it's probably better. Um, <laughs> Taku, he might say to me, Tim, 
what do you think of my hat? And I'll say, oh, I love it, Taku. I am here for it. It means I'm totally into it. I love it. I'm for it. What do you think of me as a person, Tim? Taku, I love you. I am so here for it. You're awesome. Take a seat. Thank you very much. So I want our posture to be throughout this series to be, I'm here for it. We're here for it. Here for it. Here to be fully on board with God's plan, God's vision for the church. Here for it to be committed and passionate about His bride. Here for it to be open to grow and to learn and to recognise we might not have it all figured out, that there's more for us to understand about God's plan for the church. Are you here for it? I am so here for it. Now, People probably over the age of 40, you can go around and say to your friends, I'm here for it. And they'll think you're so down. They'll think you're so, ah, so much cred. So we're going to look at a passage of Scripture from Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2, this is the Apostle Paul speaking to the church in Ephesus. And so much of Ephesians actually talks so much powerfully about the church. And Paul says this, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers but fellow citizens with God's people. Remember that? Pete said, I turned up as a stranger, but you welcomed me in as a son. You're no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Many think he means the the Bible, you know, the, the, the prophets, the Old Testament, the apostles, the New Testament built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. I've called this talk, The Power of Belonging. Simply, I'm gonna say this, we belong to God and therefore we belong to one another. And this belonging has the power to change the world. So we belong to God. Consequently, you're no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. We could stop and camp here and spend the rest of the morning talking about this unbelievable truth. We belong to God. Nick Herbert would say, stop the press. Listen up. This is amazing. Game changer. We are chosen. We are adopted into God's family. Once we were far off, we were lost, we were foreigners, we were homeless. But God, in His love and through His Son, sent Jesus to die on a cross, dealing with the problem of sin and shame and death. And when Jesus rose from the grave by His Spirit, it's like He now grabs us by the hand and He marches us into the arms of God and says, You're home, you're home, you belong, you have a purpose, you you fit here, this is your uh, safety net, this is your home. In uh, Psalm 90 verse one, we read this, Lord, through all the generations, you've been our home. Through all generations, our home is ultimately found in God. This is where we belong. This is the greatest thing that could ever happen to us. No business achievement, no sporting achievement, no personal achievement will ever beat the success and joy of this reality that you belong. You have a home, always. And it's in the person of Jesus Christ. Maya Angelou, she says this, the ache for home lives in all of us. The safe place where we can go as we are. The ache for home lives in all all of us. It lives in all of us. And this is the amazing news. We have found our home. That ache has been filled. 
in the arms of God. And so I could go on and on and on, preach on this, belonging to God. But what I really wanna speak on today is this beautiful truth that because we belong to God, we now belong to one another. We belong to one another. Paul, in this passage in Ephesians, he, he uses three images to try and describe and grapple with God's vision for the church. What is the church that God sees? And the first is citizens. We're a people, we're a nation. God's vision in Jesus Christ was to form a new humanity, a new people where we would be His people and we would uh, together be a blessing to the world around us. And so this bond we have in Jesus by the power of His Spirit as a people is stronger than any other bond on the face of the earth. It's stronger than the uh, bonds of nationality or culture or race or class. Because of Jesus, we have this deep connection to other followers of Jesus Christ. Now that doesn't devalue, diminish. We shouldn't eradicate or forget about these amazingly important things that we're born in particular places and we have particular ethnic backgrounds and part of different cultures or different classes or you know, different passions. Those things are so important, but ultimately they don't define us. They're not our true full identity. Our full identity is found as the people of God. As Paul says in the book of Philippians, our citizenship is in heaven. So God is gathering together uh, new people, a new humanity. So that's the first image we see, citizens. But the second is even more intimate, even more deeply connected. And that is this picture of a household, a family. And when you're part of a family, you see everything, don't you? There's no, yeah, someone said that a little bit too quickly. Um, Yep. There's no hiding. There's no running. In family, you see the good, the bad and the ugly. In family, there's morning breath. You see tantrums and tears. There's arguments and disputes. You watch people dealing with fear. But it's also the place of joy, of celebration, of crazy dancing in the kitchen. It's the place where deep conversations happen around a meal table. This is in a healthy family. And it's a place of safety and home. The, the early church, they, they understood this. When Jesus ascended to the heavens, they actually began to refer to one another, what? As brothers and sisters. They caught what Jesus had been teaching, that we're a family, we're a household, we're now brothers and sisters. And this is huge. This is huge for us. If we could grasp hold of this and live this out, because suddenly, regardless of our status as married or single or divorced or widowed or parents or childless, We are all part of a family of multi-generations. We all fit in. We all belong. You might not have kids here on earth, but you've got loads of kids that you can help shape, love and pour affection into in the family of God. It's a place where strangers become sons and daughters, brothers and sisters. And so if we understand something of this vision as church being a people, a humanity, church being a family and a household, do you see how far short we fall if we think being part of a church is simply turning up for 90 minutes on a Sunday? That is not God's vision for church. That is not His plan, His great intention. Oh, I've done all of this just so they can 
listen to a talk, enjoy some worship, say hello, and then go off and live their lives completely independently. Church is not a show. Church is not something that you come to consume. Church does not revolve around you. And it's a great tragedy that in many ways, sometimes we're seeing this more and more people and particularly perhaps online, it, gives it makes it even easier. We just dip in and out. I like the worship from that church. I like the teaching from this church. I wanna catch the supernatural empowerment from that church, but I'm doing it all on my own. I'm doing it on my terms. No, 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 the church of God. We, we need to understand this. The church is something you belong to. It is never something you attend. It is never something you attend. The church is something you belong to. And Christianity is not a belief system. It's a belonging system. I love what Pope Francis says. Being a Christian means belonging to a church. Being a Christian, outworking our faith, being a follower of Jesus Christ means belonging to a church. That is not an additional extra. It's an essential part of following Jesus. And you know, in a family, it's a place where everyone plays their part. It's where everyone gets stuck in. Now, I don't know what it was like with the family you grew up with, but I remember something my mum would sometimes say to me was, and my brothers, you treat this place like a hotel. And that wasn't, men as a compliment. <laughs> you know, a hotel, it's completely transactional. I mean, staying in a hotel is amazing, isn't it? <laughs> you pay your money, you turn up, the, the room is beautifully laid out, the sheets are crisp and clean, you wake up, you go down and hopefully you're provided with a lovely breakfast. It's amazing to stay at a hotel, but staying at a hotel is completely devoid of relationship. Now, in my family, you know, if I was to kind of go into my bedroom, it's like, these bed covers haven't been laid. You know, they, they weren't washed last night. And this towel I washed with yesterday is still on the floor. Who hasn't put it up? And, you know, I go and sit down for my breakfast. And, excuse me, excuse me, you know, can I have freshly squeezed orange juice? I'll have a croissant and uh, full English. Thank you very much. If I did that in my household, I'd get a clip around the ear because that's not what you do in family. In family, and again, in a healthy family, we're trying to do this with our kids. You, you try and teach them to, to play your part, to learn to clear up after yourself, to learn to tidy your room and do those things that are important. Why? Because it's not fair just to let your mum and dad do it all on their own. That's selfish. That's not what being a family is. Family is you muck in together, you're all a part of it. And so if your vision for church is simply about watching something online, attending two, three times a month, then your understanding of the church is warped and your vision for the church is seriously stunted. Hard to say, but your vision for the church is seriously stunted and you will miss out. One of the great challenges in our world is that we want to be loved. Oh, we all want to be loved and experience the joy of love, but we also want to be fiercely independent. We want to be completely in control. We want to have it all our way. And I love what Tim Keller says. He says, wanting to be loved and wanting to remain independent is like wanting to eat endless amounts of ice cream, but wanting to stay completely thin. I want to be ripped to six pack, but I also want to stuff my face with as much Haagen-Dazs ice cream as possible. And the tragedy, it's one of the things I'm going to pick up with the Lord when I finally meet him face to face in heaven. Why can't you have both? 
Why can't we stuff our faces with ice cream and have a six pack? But the truth is one of these desires ultimately has to win. And if you wanna love and be loved and be part of a community of vulnerability, of deep, deep, profound connection, you are gonna have to enter in. You're gonna have to give of yourself. You're gonna have to commit. You're gonna have to lay your heart bare. You're gonna have to give time to build those friendships and relationships. And you're gonna have to relinquish control. And you're gonna have to recognise that this isn't simply about what I get out of it. But as much as what you get out, it's about what you put in. A few years ago, I, I was really battling, if I'm honest. Been a tough year or so, lots of demands, pressures. And I was on the surface soldiering on, but deep down I was battling. I was exhausted. I was feeling stressed. I was experiencing a level of anxiety I'd never really ever felt before. And I was doing a whole bunch of stuff to try and um, get to the root of some of the things going on. And Rach, my wife, kept saying, you need to gather some of the you know, key friends in the church and just share that you're not doing okay. And I was like, no way, no way am I doing that. You know, I, I don't want to be vulnerable. I don't want to lay my heart bare. I was afraid that if I were to do that, then uh, they'd think less of me that they might think I wasn't a capable enough leader, that they might withdraw and distance themselves from me. And so I had this internal battle going on for a few weeks where I didn't get around to doing it. And Rachel kept going on and on and on. And eventually I came to the point where I just knew she was right. She'd say that happens almost all the time in our marriage. It takes me a few weeks to catch up with the idea that she's always right. And so I, remember, I vividly remember one Sunday night after church, a few guys coming back and we sat in our lounge and I just began to say, guys, if I'm honest, I'm not doing okay. I'm battling, I'm struggling. These are some of the things going on. And I, I hated it. I hated being vulnerable. I hated laying my heart bare. It was such a painful experience. And I was full of all these anxieties around how they'd respond. But every fear I had, I recognise now was a complete lie. Because what happened? These guys that they got around me, they lent in, they supported me, they encouraged me, they prayed for me. I felt liberated. I felt, oh, like a weight had been lifted off me. I felt known, I felt loved. I suddenly thought, I'm not on my own. I don't have to be a superhero. I don't have to have it all together. And it was such a profound moment for me. Some of you, you need to experience that. <clears throat> You need to recognise that there's a family and a community around you who want to stand with you and, and journey with you, but you're missing out if you don't open up, allow people in. This is God's vision for the church. And that's why gastric groups are so important. That is why gastric groups are so important. A church of our size, you will not get that level of community and family just simply by turning up on a Sunday. And we've put all these different amazing groups on happening all over the city, different times that will encourage as many people as possible to connect in. But I know that there are a whole bunch who would feel that they're a part of Gas Street Church, but you're not yet connected into these groups. And yes, they take time. And yes, it involves commitment. But honestly, if we wanna be a part of the church that God sees, we've gotta invest in these relationships and we've heard so many encouraging stories of people just finding so much life, building friendships through these groups. So I want to encourage you, if there's one thing you do after today, 
seriously think about joining a gastric group. No group is perfect, of course not. But this is such an essential way we build family. Again, the church is not an event you turn up to consume. It's a family we build up. We build up and we build it up together. Again, building family can't simply happen from the front. It can't happen through a great song. It happens when each and every one of us takes responsibility and plays our part. C.S. Lewis, in his book, The Four Loves, he, he talks about these three friendships he had. One was a guy called Charles Williams. The other was J.R. Tolkien, who wrote Lord of the Rings. And they would refer to J.R. Tolkien as Ronald. <laughs> Don't ask me why. But um, So Ronald, um, there's probably a reason he didn't, title his books, you know, Ronald Tolkien, writer of uh, Lord of the Rings. But anyway, um, these three friends were inseparable. They did everything together, such deep connected friendship. And sadly, one day Charles died. And so C.S. Lewis in his head thought, okay, well, actually now, as devastating as this is, probably my relationship, my friendship with Ronald will get deeper. There'll be more time, it'll just be the two of us, more connection, more space for us just to share the two of us. And so he's quite excited to see how his relationship with Ronald would deepen. But actually what he found was when he was with Ronald, there was a part of Ronald that was missing. Because you see, Charles brought a side out of Ronald that C.S. Lewis couldn't. Charles had a great sense of humour and when the three of them were together, he'd bring out a more mischievous side of Ronald that C.S. Lewis couldn't. And essentially what C.S. Lewis writes in this book is that it takes a community to really know a person. It takes a community to bring people alive. And so when you're absent, we miss out. When you're absent, something isn't right. And that's why it's so essential again, as we move forward, as we jump into what it means to belong to a family, that you, we're all thinking, what, what, what can I bring? Again, you know, it's wonderful to worship together on site today. And when we're here together, you look around and we see one another. You see all these different people doing amazing different things and we encourage one another. You know, when we're watching on site and we put a little emoji or people begin to pray for one another, they're amazing reminders because it reminds us that we're not alone. We're not just watching something on Netflix. We're connected together and we've got to shift our mentality for church is something I come and I sit in or I flick on the TV and I watch and I turn it off and I carry on with the rest of my life. No, no, it's about committing. That's why I love Sue, your story, because it was a sense of I'm coming alive in my faith. And that means getting involved in a small group and actually getting to know people and deepening my roots in this family so that I can fulfil my purpose here on earth to bring joy and to bring life and to be light for the city. The church brings us together with all our differences. Again, I love what Tim Keller says. The church is a place where we get the resources and power to get along with people who are deeply, deeply different from us. God gives us the resources to connect together with people who are deeply, deeply different from us. Now, when you gather people who are very different from one another together, we all know what that means. That means mess. <laughs> that means clashes. That means hurt. That means pain. And I know some of you, you're watching online. You're here in the room and you're thinking, Tim, I love this vision, but you're naive. This is idealistic. You know, I've been a part of church and I've been brutally hurt by the church. 
I, I gave my heart to the church and it was trampled on. And for me, the church is a place where I felt rejected, where I felt misunderstood, where I felt lonely, where I felt an outsider. The church is actually a source of great pain. So if it's okay with you, I'm going to keep protected. I'm going to be an island. I'm going to remain isolated. And I know that. I know that God's vision for His bride, this family is so far disconnected often from the reality of the church and the world we live in and that breaks His heart. And this week we've seen so much in the news around racism in the Church of England. The Archbishop of Canterbury, Justin Welby, described the Church of England as deeply institutionally racist. I mean, can you get further away from God's heart of a nation connected in Christ, of a family and a household living together in a church where people come and they're rejected and abused and mistreated because of the colour of their skin? It's outrageous and it breaks our hearts. And so we have so much to do. So much repentance, so much learning, so much forgiveness, so much journeying together. And I know lots who've been a part of Gastry have experienced hurt misunderstanding. And the easy thing is just to quick, you know, bounce to another church or not bother with church at all. Watch an American church online and that's your church. But again, that is so far removed from God's intention for you and for His bride. And so it'd be so easy to stand here and just say, just forgive, move on. Or the other outrageous thing that's happened throughout history is church leaders have kind of used some of these images, some of these teaching to kind of squash and crush wrongdoings in the church, injustice. No, certain things need to be brought to the light and they will be and they are. But actually, you know, in certain situations, justice needs to be served. But, and this is hard to say, as a Christian, existing in isolation from being a part of the church is not an option. It is not an option. It's like unforgiveness as a follower of Jesus Christ, that is not an option. That is not a possible way of living, as painful as that is for so many to hear. And again, if we're living outside of being connected into the church, we'll never be fully alive. And I long that we'd grow as a church to be a place where we can disagree well where we can embrace difference, where we can celebrate different cultures and backgrounds and characteristics and gift sets, where in a world that is so divided, you know, the world, we, we cannot disagree with one another. If anyone holds a different ideology or a different thought pattern from us, we hate them. We, we cancel them. We're disgusted by them. It's so pathetic. It really, really is. And the church has to be the place on planet earth where we say, look, we can be born from totally different nations. We can come from completely different backgrounds. We can interpret maybe parts of the scriptures in different ways. We can <coughs> hold different opinions and different tastes and preferences around music and styles and expressions, but we are not gonna be divided. We are gonna hold together. We're gonna learn to build family. We're gonna give to one another. We are gonna serve one another. And we're going to be a community that belongs to God, belongs to one another and believe that this belonging has the power to change the world. Whew. As we draw this to a close, the other image Paul uses is the people of God as a temple, a living temple. He says, 
In Him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in Him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by His Spirit. Church is this new humanity, it's this new people, but it's also a, a temple. For the people of Israel, the temple in Jerusalem was the focal point of their identity. And the whole reason, and we looked at this the other week, a temple uh, was built and curated, was it was the place where God met with His people. It was a place where heaven touched earth. Now, Paul is saying, you, me, us, filled with the Spirit of God are a people where God now lives in. You know, you see these images get more and more intimate. A people, a family, and now God lives in us together. And so therefore, wherever we go, when we step into the office, when we step into a difficult situation at work, a complicated relational thing within our family, heaven meets earth in us by the power of the Spirit of God. And this is the most exciting and dynamic thing. You know, here is, here is a brick This brick was left over from the refurbishment and the building project to restore this building. We've got this brick at home. Now the thing with a brick, you don't buy bricks solo. There's not become this big fad where we buy a brick and you put it on your mantelpiece. Oh, look at my lovely coloured, sort of browny, purpley, blacky brick. You know, isn't that beautiful? No, no, no. Bricks on their own are kind of pointless. They were never designed. Their purpose is not just to sit alone, abandoned. No, this brick and all the other bricks made used to be cemented and built together to build this amazing building, which has this incredible uh, purpose to gather people for worship, to envision and send people out to be the light of Christ wherever they go. Paul is using this image that the church, all these different bricks coming together, living stones, cemented, held together by the power of the Holy Spirit, where God can live in us and can outwork His purposes in a broken world. And again, if you are detached from the church, you are like this brick. It's pretty heavy actually. It's beginning to hurt. And on its own, it just achieves nothing. But when it's cemented in with other bricks, it can be a part of something glorious. It really can. Francis Schaeffer says this, our relationships with each other is the criterion the world uses to judge whether our message is truthful. Christian community is the final apologetic. You know, this power of belonging has the power to change the world. Why? Because Christian family, Christian community is the final apologetic. It's one of the amazing ways we reach out to say, God is real. Look how He can heal us and connect us and look at the family He's gathered together and who wouldn't wanna be a part of that? Alongside the COVID-19 pandemic, we've seen a pandemic of loneliness. Justin Bieber sings for a generation where he says, I'm so lonely, lonely. And when we see just crazy numbers of people describing themselves as lonely, that is a damning indictment on the church. 
That must break the heart of God, that there's people who are so lonely and yet God has envisioned His people to say, you're a family. We need to draw people in. We need to love people. People who turn up on our doorsteps on a Sunday or connect in through a gastric group or turn up on Alpha or find their way through some of the stuff we're doing for Love Your Neighbour. They step in as strangers and pretty quickly they're welcomed in and they become brothers and sisters, members of this household. And that's gonna be the thing that's gonna be so profoundly beautiful for the world. Jesus said Himself, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Love for one another. Again, love for one another can't be expressed through amazing songs, through amazing teaching, through amazing coffee, through amazing cameras, through brilliant online platforms, through social media. It has to happen up front, in personal. You know that you're loved when you bring the worst of yourself. And what are you met with? You're met with acceptance and love and mercy and compassion. And you're told that I don't know how to fix this problem, but I'm gonna stand with you in this problem. And I'm gonna believe that God the Father, God the Son, God, the Holy Spirit is gonna gather you up and walk with you. You're not alone. You're not alone. This is God's vision for the church. This is God's vision for the church. I end with this quote. A friend of mine, Will van der Haar, Rob Waller, they've written this brilliant book called The Power of Belonging. He says this, Jesus established the church order so that we might have a foretaste of home now and fulfill the mission of the kingdom of God. Church is the place where our supernatural belonging of God is experienced in the relationships of other people, where we can be the body of Christ. It is also the place from which we can bring the hope of supernatural belonging to an isolated and shame-bound world. Read that again. It is also the place from which we can bring the hope of supernatural belonging. That's what this is, supernatural belonging to an isolated and shame-bound world. We belong to God, we belong to one another. And if we could learn to live out this belonging, by the power of the Spirit, it has the power to change the world. So why don't we stand and we're gonna pray. Pray that God's Spirit would come and meet with us connect us together. I want to pray for those who who feel deeply wounded, marked by horrendous experiences they've had in the church. Again, this isn't something for some of you, you can just like quick prayer and move on. Some of you, you need to have some very serious conversations. Some of you, you'll need counselling. Some of you might need to bring things out into the light that have been plaguing you. But we believe in a God who has the power to reconcile us. Some of you, maybe you need to ask for forgiveness. You need to get in touch with someone. Some of you, maybe need to let go and move on. But in a world beset with individualization and consumerism, if the church follows the ways of the world, we're dead. We're dead in the water. But if we open our hearts to love one another, wow. And oh, that the Spirit of God would be poured out on us afresh. Oh, that He would give us a heart of compassion and love for one another. So Spirit of the living God, would You fall afresh on us? Would You come now in our weakness, in our brokenness, in all the mess? You see it all. Lord, we we can get so proud and easily offended. We get so hung up on silly things. 
And of course, some here actually experienced great injustice in the church. But Lord, we wanna be a family. We wanna see this belonging. And we know in ourselves, we, we're not good enough people. We're not wise enough, we're not kind enough, we're not gracious enough, we're not selfless enough, but Your Spirit comes and lives in us. And the Spirit of God begins to work in us and transform us and release within us the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Wow, if we were to live out those things, what a community, what a church, what a family would be a part of. So come now. Fill us with your spirit. Again, we're just gonna wait. We're gonna wait and we're gonna ask that God would empower us. Those watching at home, just put your hands out. Maybe close your eyes. Welcome the Spirit of God in. You're a living temple. He dwells in you. If you, if you are comfortable with this, if you have this gift, just think we need to begin to pray in the Spirit. Because what, what God is wanting to build up is not a work of human beings. And it says in the Bible, when we pray in tongues, it edifies us. It builds up. And so I just think there's something spiritually, supernaturally that God is wanting to do that He's going to release as we pray in tongues. And so quietly under your masks, let's just for a moment just begin to pray in tongues if you, if you pray that way. That's it, just go for it. Again, others you might want to just raise your hands high as Nick was praying. Uh, speaking last week about this sense of overcoming the enemy through prayer and intercession. Oh Lord Jesus, have mercy on us. Have mercy on your people, Lord. Have mercy on your people, Lord. We long to be a community. We long to be a, a citizenship, a, a family, a, a temple in the way that you envisage it, to love and serve one another. Forgive us for where we've got it wrong. And raise your church up just a bit longer let's keep going because we're, we're longing that God would build something that only He can build no business model can build this no amazing preacher can build this no strategy plan can build this no amount of money can build this this is a work of God
you be happy to come up and, and pray over us? Sorry to put you on the spot, but you know, I talked about my parents being my heroes. My parents-in-law are also my heroes. And much like my mum and dad, you guys have modelled radical hospitality, drawing people in. And you know, I've known you since I was a baby and always seen your house full of people. And I know you carry something of this desire to see family and actually um, so many, <laughs> this is last week, I heard so many people talking about how amazing it is to be in your gastric group. Um, so, but I think you carry something that I'd love us to catch. I just think, I just as you was, saw you praying, I just felt God's Spirit was going to be working in people. Now, technically, we're in a bubble together because we've got a under one, but I'm going to wipe it clean. Okay. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for your body. We thank you that, you know, just as we read in the scriptures that each part of the body is important. It's got something special. It's got something that um, we need the other part to help us move forward. And Lord, Lord, we love your body of the church. And we, we long for people to feel that they can come here and, and be welcomed with huge warmth that they can be part of, um, you know, just exactly what you have planned them to be part of. And we pray um, for everyone here, everyone who's watching online, uh, that they'll have such a sense of uh, your blessing over them today, how much you love them, how much you care for them, and how much you want them to be a part of, of your body, the church. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Yes, Father, we just uh, pray now for all the uh, the groups that are being signed up for today. And we just uh, now pray that every individual will, as they go through the list of groups, will actually be uh, led by you to say, yes, that's the one I should join. That's the one I should become a part of. That's the one I should influence as well as receive from. And just as Tim was talking about that illustration of the brick, um, this, this place here was um, a gas retort house. And so lots of, of coke and stuff was, was uh, brought in here to burn. And an illustration that I saw, I was given years ago, was that you know a, a fire has lots of these coals in. But if you take one coal out, it just loses its heat. So being part of the church, is being in that fire. You need to be in it to glow. Amen. So Lord, set us on fire. Why don't we worship? And as we worship, let's be believing and praying that God is doing a deep work in us, building up His church. Thanks for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out. If you want to find out more, visit our website gastric.org or follow us on Instagram at gastricchurch.